Beginning this fall, all D.C. public school fourth graders will be the first in the country to have mandatory classes on menstruation. The classes will continue into high school and aim to combat stigma, promote health behaviors, and raise awareness of medical conditions like endometriosis. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. The FDA's budget increase in fiscal year 2024 will fall well short of inflation under a spending bill approved unanimously by the Senate Appropriations Committee on Thursday. The 1% increase to $6.63 billion is in line with the amount approved by House appropriators earlier this month. House and Senate appropriators have until September 30th to pass a bill or extend current funding levels in order to avoid a partial government shutdown. Sales of e-cigarettes surged during the COVID-19 pandemic, increasing by nearly 50% between January of 2020 and December of 2022, according to a CDC study published Thursday. The agency says more than 11 million adults and roughly 2.5 million middle and high school students vaped regularly in 2022. And it's been a year since the landmark Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, a year marked by political, legal, and medical turmoil. I teamed up with my colleague Megan Messerly to round up 10 surprising developments that took place over the past 12 months. Thanks so much for having me. So it's a little hard to do when we are covering these issues day in and day out. It's hard to sort of step back and see the bigger picture, but this is a good opportunity to do that. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision, and things look really different than they did a year ago. What would you say is the state of abortion access right now? Well, there's significantly less of it than there was a year ago. So abortion is now illegal in about little less than a third of the country. That includes much of the South, some states in the Midwest. There's a handful of other states that have enacted new abortion restrictions. So they haven't banned abortion in nearly all circumstances, but they have significantly restricted abortion access. So, you know, I'm thinking of states like Florida and Arizona, where they're 15-week laws in effect, or North Carolina is about to have its 12-week law go into effect. So we've seen some of these states where there's still some access to the procedure, but these laws would not have been allowed under Roe v. Wade. And about half of the country, abortion remains legal. So I'm thinking of states like South Carolina. Their Supreme Court earlier this year overturned their six-week abortion ban. They've passed a new one that's again blocked in court. So abortion remains legal in most cases in South Carolina and sort of makes them somewhat of a haven for abortion access in the South. And then another example of this is Iowa. Their state Supreme Court just recently, last week, actually, they were asked to lift an injunction on the state six-week abortion ban. They deadlocked on that ruling, which means that that injunction will remain in place and abortion will continue to be legal in Iowa to about 22 weeks of pregnancy. We all knew that California, New York, Illinois were going to be the places that a lot of people would be going to when abortion became illegal in their states. But as you noted, a lot of states that maybe folks didn't expect have become abortion havens. You know, you mentioned Iowa. What are some of the others? Looking at the map you created, who would have guessed that abortion would still be largely legal in, you know, say, Utah and Nebraska and some of these more conservative places? Yeah, it's really interesting. 
think, like you mentioned, I think folks expected that people would flock to sort of these democratic stronghold type states. But yeah, if you look at the map, I mean, folks anticipated that Illinois would be a major abortion access point. But because laws in Indiana and Ohio are blocked right now, abortion's legal there in most cases. Michigan, you covered Michigan a lot over the last year because of the constitutional amendment voters passed in November, abortion is legal there. Lawmakers this spring, you know, repealed a lot of their old abortion laws on the books. And so that's another haven for abortion access in the Midwest. It's been interesting to see maybe these states you wouldn't have expected a year ago sort of pop up as major abortion access points in the post-Row era. And then even looking at the South as well, I mean, Florida and North Carolina, two states that, again, you know, Florida has a 15-week law right now. North Carolina is about to implement a 12-week law. Florida also has a six-week law that's not in effect right now. But those two states have become major abortion access points for the South in the post-Row era. And now South Carolina, in light of their Supreme Court decision and this new injunction, they're another haven as well. So I think some of these unlikely states have emerged as places where people can go to receive abortions. And in these states where many predicted there would be a ban in place by now and there there isn't one, it seems like it's a combination of lawmakers in those states not being able to agree on what kind of ban to pass, but in the states where they have passed something, somewhat surprising court decisions have kept it from going into effect. How much are each of these things controlling the landscape right now? I mean, I think one really surprising thing, as you point out, has been the challenges Republicans have faced in passing new abortion bans or making changes to existing abortion bans. I mean, there's been a lot of divide within the Republican Party about sort of what the path forward should be in the post-Roe era. Some Republican states have been like, okay, if we're going to ban abortion, we need to do Medicaid postpartum expansion. We need to increase supports for families, those kinds of things. And then you've seen other states saying, you know, we want to take this further. You know, how can we build? You know, should we remove exemptions? Should we increase penalties? In terms of the the number of states where we've seen Republican divides preventing them from passing new abortion bans versus court decisions explicitly, you know, rejecting those bans, I think we've seen a bit of both for the last year. Indiana and West Virginia both were able to pass new abortion bans. They did so last fall. There was a lot of conflict in both of those cases. Lawmakers were very divided over the issue of exceptions. Should there be exceptions in cases of rape and incest? There was a very high-profile case in Indiana, Ohio, where an Indiana OBGYN provided an abortion to a 10-year-old rape victim from Ohio when abortion was at the time not allowed in Ohio. And so we've seen legislatures really have that divide and friction and that in some cases has delayed passage of these new abortion bans for months. Another example being South Carolina. They debated this for a good part of last year and it wasn't until this year that they were actually able to pass a new law because of significant divides among Republicans about banning abortion starting at conception. A lot of them favored a six-week ban. And so as a result, abortion remained legal in large part in South Carolina. And because of that injunction, it's still legal there. And then on the court side, obviously, you know, there have been these handful of rulings. But I think the big question there is what more court decisions have yet to come, right? There's a lot of states where litigation is pending. A lot of the states that I already mentioned, like Indiana and Ohio, these are states with abortion bans on the books. They're only not in effect because of the ongoing litigation. So we're expecting court rulings on that that will obviously continue to be sort of a major factor here in whether abortion does or does not remain legal in these states. Along those lines, what 
court decisions are we tracking and what legislative fights are we tracking in the coming months? The landscape has already changed a lot. It could change a lot more. (laughs) Things are not totally settled yet. So what's coming up next? Certainly. So I think Iowa is just a big one to watch in light of their state Supreme Court decision. A lot of folks are expecting that because the court essentially deadlocked on this issue, this now becomes a legislative issue again. It's widely expected that the legislature will take up the issue, potentially pass a new law. In fact, lawmakers this year in Iowa had sort of declined to take action on passing a new abortion law because they were just trying to get this injunction lifted and they were just trying to have the six-week law go into effect. And so now that the court has deadlocked and not been able to do anything with that law, it's widely anticipated that they will at least make a shot at passing a new law. But again, you know, we've seen a lot of divisions in other states that have tried to do this. So no guarantees about when that will happen or how quickly that will happen. I'd say that's a big one I'm watching in terms of sort of what's next on the legislative front. And then on the court front, both you and I are tracking a lot of these lawsuits, right? I mean, you've been following these lawsuits, making arguments on religious grounds, you know, the abortion pill lawsuit. I mean, there's just so much litigation in the poster era. It's sort of like, okay, well, this U.S. Supreme Court ruled on this, but now that's just sparked a flurry of litigation, both in federal courts and state courts. So there's a lot that I know that you're watching on abortion pills, on these religious issues. Ones I'm keeping an eye on are just a lot of what these state Supreme Courts are going to do. Abortion rights proponents are asking those state Supreme Courts, like in states like Indiana and Ohio, to interpret the Constitution to say that, yes, under right to privacy, under existing provisions of the state Constitution, abortion is legal. So even though we've seen a lot of these efforts at the ballot box to specifically put the word abortion in the Constitution and protect that right explicitly, there is this strategy of just asking courts to say, hey, we think that based on the wording that's already here in this Constitution, this should be legal in this state. Yeah, it makes me think back to when people were talking about the Swiss cheese method for COVID and having layers and layers of strategies because things can get through one layer. And so, you know, I'm thinking of places like Ohio where there's the ongoing litigation and there's the effort to get it on the ballot and there's a counter effort to keep it off the ballot. So even in a single state, there are multiple competing efforts that we are tracking that could determine whether or not abortion remains accessible. So really appreciate you joining us to to walk through all all of this and we'll be staying on it in the months ahead. We certainly will. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Fra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.